pleased to uh, inaugurate a new feature on the program here. Um, this is an experiment, as all new features on radio are, but I'm pretty confident we're going to have a lot of fun and that you're going to find it uh, both uh, informative and thought-provoking. We're calling this, for lack of a better title, Left, Right, and Center. And what it is is a discussion on a weekly basis of issues in our community or our province or our country or indeed in some cases maybe even our world um, viewed from different political or philosophical uh, perspectives and and my purpose in this what i want to happen is to provoke a dialogue um, that isn't just jim says something caller says something another caller says something else although we are welcoming your calls and your participation i, I wanted to get a um, a view of these issues from two gentlemen who, in this case gentlemen, didn't have to be gentlemen, but it turned out that way, who have very clear positions, very clear belief systems that do tend to relate to political slash philosophical uh, approaches to life. Uh, on the left today is Jeff Schlemmer, who is a well-known London lawyer, political activist, um, works at Neighborhood Legal Services and does an awful lot of other work in our community, too. Nice to have you here, Jeffrey. Thanks very much. Jeff's been a guest in this program a number, a number of times. And representing the right, and again, I don't want to make too much out of this left-right because they are both rather amorphous terms, but I think generally we kind of understand, in a general sense, what they mean. Representing the right. The Ontario president of the Freedom Party is Robert Metz, and nice to have you here too, Bob. Well, nice to be here, Jim. Now, gentlemen, this morning I want to draw your attention to a big story that, uh, well, not a big story, but a story from uh, earlier this week when the uh, the uh, mayor's task force on poverty uh, had their meeting with the with certain council members and so on. A uh, big story in the paper about Nancy Poole uh, saying how distressed she was to discover there was poverty in our community and how serious it is in the midst of affluence and so on and so on. There's no question that there are poor people in our community. There is no question at all. I mean, it's you can, you know, drive around town and you'll find them. The question I think this morning, and the question I want to put to you gentlemen, is what is the solution to that? Uh, in general terms, it seems that the left's solution is to give them more money. The right's solution is to give them more opportunity to earn money on their own. Jeff, let me go to you first as uh, our left-wing representative. What do you think the solution is to the problem of poverty? Do you buy the, the generally I think the generally accepted theory that people on the left are interested in giving more money to these folks. No, not at all. And uh, what people on the left want to do is get them jobs. And uh, I think that where the left and the right differ is how you go about doing that. Uh, but uh, I think everybody agrees that we'd like to live in a society where everybody has uh, a decent job, everybody has uh, uh, a family they can live with and, and be loved by, and uh, has a meaningful life. Uh, everybody well, I can hear the violins now. Everybody but wants that. What are you going to do? What are you going to do here? I well, mean, do you want to see the welfare, for example, restored to its previous levels? That's one of the recommendations that this group is saying. We've got to get the welfare payments back up again. Well, it would be nice if we would. That uh, certainly is a lot of hardship out there. But what I would say, though, is that the focus from, from the left is employment, that you need to get people back to work. And where we disagree is whether the trickle-down style of, uh, of economics is the way to go about it. And, and I'm cynical about that. I just don't buy it. Bob, what about trickle-down? This is a, a tentative faith for many on the right. Do you, do you subscribe well, to that? Jim, to be honest, I don't even buy the problem. I don't see poverty as being a problem that particularly requires a political solution. And that's why it always bothers me that we see politicians even involved in the whole issue of poverty. I want to see a definition of what poverty is. Is poverty uh, 
an overall social condition? It is, is it merely the absence of temporary funds for a particular individual? Because I don't see that as poverty. I just see that as someone not having money. To me, poverty is an environment in which no, no matter what you do, you don't stand a chance of making money because there are too many obstacles put in your way. So, I mean, as far as poverty, I, I, I would not contest anyone's solution to poverty. I mean, if you want to do it, you want to do fine. If Jeff would like to do it, he wants to do fine. But where I draw the line is when you want to pass a law that forces everybody else to, to adhere to what your plans are. And I think there's where we have to draw a line. I don't think there's a role or a position. I don't think it's a moral issue, a moral position either, to be able to force other people to set up a welfare state, which is really what I'm hearing a call for. I'm not really... People that are calling for the welfare state don't really have a an interest in curing poverty. I think they have an interest in maintaining it. What about that, Jeff? The, we've heard a lot of talk about the poverty industry, that there's a whole group of people who feed off this this uh, issue in our society, professional lobbyists, etc., etc. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, people who seek headlines uh, by clambering over the, uh, the, not the corpses, but the backs of the poor. Uh, is there an industry? Is there a poverty industry out there? Well, I guess there's a model that was created, and that is that when you talk about the welfare state, and, and, and Robert may not disagree about this, but uh, when you talk about who's getting money in the welfare state, a big chunk of the money is obviously going to business. There's all kinds of regulation, which Bob may not agree with, uh, but that exists for that industry, and there is a parallel model for the poor, if you like. Uh, you know that certainly there are lawyers that work for poor people like there are lawyers who work for rich people. There are lobbyists who uh, lobby for poor people like rich people. But I don't think the model is created by the poor, but it's true that to, to get anything done in the world today, it's extremely complicated, and you seem to need to know about laws, you seem to need to know about how to talk to reporters and stuff like that. You said, it exists. Uh, well, you said a couple of minutes ago, you, you talk, when I asked you about should we increase the welfare rates again, you said yes, we should. Um, Ontario's welfare rates are still among the highest in the country. Um, what's the justification for raising them? Well, our cost of living is also among the highest in the country. Oh, just... no, no, wait, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. It costs more money to live on the West Coast. It costs more money to live in, mon in many uh, areas of Quebec. It costs more money to live in, in, in uh, I was going to say Halifax. That's <laughs> not true. In Edmonton, Calgary. So we're not, you know, we're not on the top of this mountain and everybody else is cheap below us. Well, part of the problem is a question of where do poor people go. And the problem is that they tend to migrate towards Toronto, the big urban centers, because they think that's where they're going to get jobs. Or is it where they think they're going to get the biggest welfare payments? Well, that, and that's interesting that you mentioned that, because that, I think, comes back to a fundamental difference between the left and the right, and that is sort of what your assumption is about, uh, first of all, human nature and whether people are essentially trying to do the right thing or not. And if not, who is it that's not doing the right thing? I think from the left, you would say that if there are people who are not pulling their weight in society, it would be people who are vastly overcompensated through the stock market, for instance, in the last three years. Record growth in each of the last three years, booming economy, record profit at the bank's record uh, increase in corporate compensation, doubling in salary last year for the chair of the Bank of Montreal from $2 million to $4 million. We say those are the guys who are the drag on society. From the right, I think you say it's the people who are sitting around and doing nothing, uh, collecting welfare who are no, the drag. No, I find that a remarkable statement. I mean, to hear someone say that he objects to the profits made by certain companies and industries when it's those very profits that is the solution to the whole problem of poverty and unemployment. Uh, the more well, profits, uh, to me, I say the more profits, the better. You know, there's a difference in the mentality between the redistributive mentality who thinks that the only solution to poverty is take something from Mr. A and give it to Mr. B, and the creative mentality that says wealth is unlimited. 
we can produce as much wealth as we want. If you want a bottom line answer to how to solve poverty, we need more more wealth in society. Well, we have a model. So we have certainly to... we've had an aristocracy in the past, and certainly it makes sense that if you're a wealthy person and you tend to have power, the way you'd like to do is accumulate more wealth and power. And we've had those societies where we've had the people who are extremely wealthy and extremely powerful who have basically had all the land and they've run everything. We've but tried they weren't those free models. societies. They weren't free societies. Well, this isn't a free society and there's either. A big difference. Well, <laughs> precisely, but who, who's, you know, where shall we point the finger for, for that problem? Yeah. But the issue is that what, how, how wealth is created is of paramount importance. If wealth is taken by one of two ways, either by theft, which we all agree is incorrect, or by taxes, because that's forcing wealth out of other people. And I don't, you know, when, when, when you have a dollar, a dollar... is also a way to make money, but that's another issue. Well, at least you're, you're, you're playing with money that's your own or that's voluntarily given. And this is a very important thing that, that I think many left-wing countries had never realized, is that the power of an economy comes from the free will of its people to spend their money where they want to spend but it. Because that's the where the true demand is. unlimited wealth in our small planet. I guess it comes of course back there to that. Is. I find myself more and more, I used to that? talk about myself as being a reformer, but unfortunately now the reformer seems to be the right-wing side of things. I'm now a conservative. I'm trying to conserve what's left of our planet. Well, and I don't think there is unlimited wealth on this planet. I think that we do run into some roadblocks, and I think that at some point it is a matter of redistributing the pie. You can't always make the pie bigger. That's, as a model, at some point that breaks down. Well, what, where does it break down? It can't possibly break down. Our history of mankind since the beginning has shown us that we've continually created wealth, and we will continue to do so as we go, go into space. There's wealth on the moon, there's wealth on Mars, there's wealth in the asteroids. We have all the materials we need in this universe to make anything we choose to. Robert, yeah. what, are, are, is, is your contention then that, we sh that wealth is not necessarily uh, tied to finite resources on the planet? No, it's not tied to that at all. In fact, the more economical we get, the more we can conserve resources, plus get more for our money. Um, but what I'm trying to address here is that the left wing is constantly attacking, as part of the problem of poverty and everything, the sources of wealth creation. And then they wonder why, in the face of increasing uh, welfare programs, in the face of increasing spending on money, we've never spent more on welfare. And yet we always have greater poverty. Now, is that a coincidence? Or is there maybe no relationship between the welfare we spend through forced welfare spending and the increase in poverty? And, and then again, it comes full circle when you talk to people. What does poverty mean? Um, I think poverty, you know, in the old days, before we had government welfare, you know, you'd read somebody like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the author, Napoleon Hill, mm -hmm. wrote, a, wrote a whole series of books, basically, and put them all together and called them the laws of success. Here was a guy who didn't even like private charity, which I have no objection to. But he just felt that the very act of doing that and giving, just transferring money was demoralizing to the recipient and created great problems socially in the future. That's why he preferred to invest his charities into things like libraries, resources, uh, things that would create knowledge and productivity so that people could put them to use on their own. And he felt that was the only kind of charity, that, uh, of any sort of charity, that was even acceptable. You're listening to Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. A brand new feature this morning, left, right, and center. On the left, London lawyer Jeff Schlemmer. On the right, uh, Freedom Party President for Ontario, Robert Metz. I'm Jim Chapman. We're going to continue our conversation. And we do invite your calls and comments, too. If you've got things you want to say, if you want to get in on the discussion this morning, feel free to do it, whether you're on the left, the right, or right down the center. Computer price you to do it this morning. You can also listen and talk with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, uh, the right and the left, uh, respectively, on our left, right, and center program this morning. Uh, Gary's our first caller on this portion of the program. Hi, Gary. Good morning, Jim. Uh, I've got a question. I guess it would be in the direction of Mr. Schlemmer. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to know what 
dollar value goes on uh, the poverty line. I mean, what dollar value... What, what, below what line are you poor? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, where are you poor in dollars? Well, there are a number of definitions of that, aren't there, Yeah, Jeff? there are. The, the government has a definition, and it depends on how many kids you have. Uh, um, certainly, a variety of other organizations use other definitions, and, and I, I don't know what the dollar number is, uh, for instance, for a family of four. I believe in London, and I stand to be corrected, I believe in London, um, a family of four is somewhere around $23,000, I think, so somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, well the, the problem I've seen is I've tried to find out what is the poverty level, uh, just to find out whether I'm in it or not. Mm -hmm. But nobody has been able to say X number of dollars means you're above or below the poverty line. Phone Marion Boyd. The poverty line is this, this really amorphous thing that. Yeah. Gary, phone Marion Boyd's office. They'll give you the figures. No, I want a real figure. <laughs> well, that, that's it. Well, By definition, it's it's arbitrary. It's what somebody has decided uh, it should be. Although that's not to say that poverty is arbitrary. But as far as a line in the sand, uh, there's no firm, fixed line. It really depends on what you want to consider. You. But that's exactly the problem. It is arbitrary. It's it's you know what affects this figure is is how many votes it will buy more than anything else. <laughs> well, I, I guess I mean, there are yeah. certainly poor people, and uh, to say that uh, it's arbitrary to imply that it doesn't exist it, it would be would be a foolish thing to do. There are lots of people in town whose kids, uh, you know, can't afford uh, to, to, to be raised in sort of a system where they're going to have a chance to become a lawyer or an engineer anymore. Uh, that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, well, whether it's useful to frame as poverty, I don't think it is. It's not unfortunate. It's a direct result of welfare state thinking, of spreading our money around so thin, cutting off all subsidies to, to business. And I don't think that's the, the right wing as it exists today. I think if you look at the new, the new right, if I can call it that, they are definitely not into subsidies for anything. And when I talk about the welfare state, I'm not just talking about about welfare and business, I'm including in that our health care system and our education system, which are both in a shambles these days, with endless money being thrown at them as though money can possibly solve a problem. The only thing that can solve a problem is to put these, these whole institutions back into the hands of the people and out of the hands of government. But what about business? What's their role in there? How does business come between people and government? Well, business is people. I don't know why you... Well, government is people, too. <laughs> well, it is, but government is force. That's a big difference. A businessman has to operate on voluntary terms. You get to vote and for a politician. You don't get to vote for you the get chair to of the vote. Bank of Montreal. Yes, you do. You Only can, if you've got a lot of money. You, whether you have a little or a lot, you can choose to put your money in his bank or not. You can choose to vote for Ford, Chrysler, uh, Toyota, whoever you want, with your dollars. You can choose to vote for none of them if you want. But in the political system, the way the way the majority goes, everyone must go. And this is a terribly costly philosophy. Whether to I buy a Ford or not is going to determine not going to determine who the chair of Ford is going to be. In direction they have. It sure will, because if a lot of people don't buy Ford, do you think the chair of Ford's going to be at the chair of Ford much longer? Well, I don't know. They've been doing awfully well the last few years. and uh, Because people have been voting well, with their uh, dollars exactly. and buying their cars. Yeah, but again, what it comes back to fundamentally is that you've got politicians who are around as well. People have been selected to fill roles, but uh, I say it seems to me, and, and this is one of the things that I'll find very interesting, is sort of flesh out where the new right is and uh, well, talk about where the left is, but well, fundamentally it seems to me that, like Bombardier, for instance, just uh, took a big loan from uh, a big grant from uh, the federal government to build airplanes. You know, they're one of the most profitable corporations in the country. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. Are you sure you're on the right? Yes. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I would say that any kind of, because what makes it bad is not the fact that they got a loan. What makes it bad is how they got the loan, because it came from the pockets of people, the poor people you want to help, who go to, to, to go buy their groceries every day and pay taxes at the till. They pay taxes in their income tax, and this is going to big businesses. I don't want to see that. Well, That's I was afraid we are going to start agreeing on things. <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it's, it's a, it, this is the thing, which is where I, I find often that the left is not consistent on issues. I think that uh, you have to treat the poor the same way as you treat business, the same way as you treat everyone. But the difference between a politician and a business is a politician, when he passes a law, that, is, that enforces it. That means everyone else must be, it must follow that law, whether it's in accordance with their conscience or not. But again, if a bank says you're going to pay a bank charge every time you go to withdraw your own money from the bank, again, you don't have a say in it, you don't have a vote Nobody in it. forces me to deal with that bank, but I am forced to deal with my government. We only have one. We only have one within particular jurisdictions, and that's, that's proper and correct. That's how it should be. But we seem to have an but oligarchy with respect to banks. Like, there isn't really uh, an alternative where you can go to a bank that says we won't charge well, you for those charges. again, we didn't have competition or, or free markets or capitalism in the banking industry for years. We're just now starting to see the tip of it. And most of the profits they're making today aren't from, an inter aren't from interest rates and investments, they're from their service charges that they're offering because they're letting the people do more. Well, don't tell me we agree on that, too, that service charges are bad. <laughs> We're just trying to get somebody who no, doesn't, ag doesn't agree with us. We're going back to the phones, and the lines are open this morning, folks, at 643-1290. Star 1290 on the Cantel. It's left, right, and center with Jeff Schlemmer, Robert Metz, and Jim Chapman somewhere in the middle here. We've got John up next. Good morning, John. Morning, Jim. Uh, Dick exception to the comment that the is it Freedom Party. Yes. Well, he's not here representing the Freedom Party, though. No, but that's his philosophy, obviously. Well, he's, uh, And I can only conclude that he is of the opinion the freedom to exploit to the maximum that the freedom will allow. With regard to that, gentlemen, I would like to quote these lines. And I'm annoyed about this because, unfortunately, Jim... Well, John, what... what, what? Uh, unfortunately, Jim, on your program, I also hear a lot of this. And it goes like this. Those who know the least of others think the highest of themselves. For whoever is acquainted with the nature of mankind in general, or the propensity of his own heart in particular, must acknowledge that self-righteousness is the last idol to be rooted out of our hearts. Now, what is and that gentleman seems to be very full of self-righteousness. Now, with respect to the distribution... Wait, hold on, hold on, John, John, hold on. If you're going to insult the man like that, give him a chance to respond. John, you, you said, you said, you, you talked about exploitation to the maximum that freedom allows. That's right. Well, yeah, I am for that. And what's the maximum that freedom allows? The, freedom the allows, maximum that freedom... Go ahead, Bob. Freedom allows uh, up to the point of consent. As soon as you don't consent to something, you're not freely engaging in a transaction. Now, if I talk to an employer and he wants to pay me five bucks an hour and I agree to that... What business is that of yours, of Jim Chapman's, of my local politicians? I don't understand why you would feel that, so emotionally that, upset about that, a person having that freedom. That precisely is the fact that a person uh, is left with no other option depending upon the will of, of, of the government or the will of people like you as to get the lowest get the most out of the least. I have no and control over going prices. On today, sir. Listen. Business with people the have no control respect, over prices. Sir, whilst I appreciate that you have a right to express the philosophy, your philosophy for what, in my opinion, in my opinion, and I will leave history to judge that, but in my opinion, your philosophy is, damn you, brother John, I care enough for your predicament as I shall be adequately provided for. 
I don't know why you'd say that, John, because I already I already said that I would I would support any kind of any kind of welfare system of any sort as long as it didn't force people to participate with it. So what you must be defending is strictly that element that you disagree with. You must be defending the, the right of government to force us to do things we don't want to do. What you don't want to do, what you don't want to do... No, is no, I'm referring to anyone. I'm referring to you too, John. I'm not just referring to me. Freedom is, you know, freedom is a limit. Freedom is not a right to do whatever you want. I agree wholeheartedly with what you say. That's not what, what you're saying. What you are not considering, sir, what you are not considering is the human element that's involved in this. Somebody once said, money be the amount, large or small, is a seed which will germinate into abuse, unless there goes with it intelligence, kindness, and much knowledge of men, it will do nothing but harm, and we run great risk of corrupting not only those who receive our bounty, but those who are charged with its distribution. I right. appreciate the call today, John, I, and your comments. Jim, I just find it almost laughable how people deride the concept of wealth and money, but what, are, what is it thereafter? They want to see a redistribution of wealth and money. And, and so the object of their uh, condemnation is the virtue they seek. It, it, but it does it come back places. to a point that he makes, which is the question of whether in an unregulated society, if you had a society where you didn't have somebody uh, stepping in, uh, what do you do about weak and, and Stepping strong? in for what? Well, for instance, we've got laws to say you can't do this, you can't do that, you well, can't certainly. rob your next-door neighbor's house. Well, why do we have that law, though? That law exists because it would violate your neighbor's rights. Well, but that's what I'm However, if you're saying that laws should only, for instance, end at sort of your door and, and where they start intruding on the next person's no, rights. No, they don't. Laws, laws, laws are what make it possible for me to have a door to close. Laws are what make it possible for me to say that my home is my castle. But by definition, any law is a restriction on freedom, isn't it? No, it is not. A law is a protection of freedom. But there are laws that do restrict freedom, and they tend to be economic and social legislation. And I personally believe that all economic and social legislation is a perversion of law, because what it does it replaces the, the instrument of justice that we need in our society, which is government, with an instrument of wealth redistribution, which in turn must become an instrument of injustice. But is justice and for you a, like a level playing field? So, for instance, if you're, no, all, if you're smarter and you work level harder, playing field you'll get more of the pie. A level playing I, field. I assume that's okay with you. Absolutely. What's wrong with that? If you're, if you're smarter and better, why shouldn't you get more of the exactly. pie? Exactly. And, then the, uh, and if that is the case, is there sort of an end point of that? If you're the there, smartest and the hardest working, should you get everything? And it's a question of where do you draw the line in that hierarchy, I guess. Well, you're, you're asking an economic question. I'm, 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 I'm giving a, an answer in terms of justice and law. Wealth, well, wealth equality has nothing to do with equality before the law. Right. In fact, you could start today and give every person on this planet an equal amount of money, and by the end of the day, the disparities would be so great Everybody would scream, oh my God, look at the poverty over here, look at the wealth over here. Well, it would happen instantaneously. And if we're constantly preoccupied with redistributing it, and nobody's preoccupied with creating it, which is where, we should, where our heads should be at, we'll never find a solution. And but that's I, I why... I think you'd say, though, the business people are not concerned with redistributing. If that's a way that they can gain income, surely they'll do that. If but they can take market the, share, for instance. But what happens to all that? You're talking about all these profits and all the money they make. Where does that money go? I mean, it goes back into investment to create more jobs. It goes, you know, it... it, it, it 
it, it increases the money supply that's flowing through the economy. It increases opportunities for people who don't have it. You don't have to be a wealthy person to have a job. Well, that's what I was wondering about, about somebody like uh, like Frank Stronach last year, that he got his uh, tax cut through the provincial uh, government, and he, he earned $40 million. Where did that tax cut money go? Did he spend all of that money in the economy? Did he invest in his plants, for instance, to make them such that he could employ more people? Or did it go into savings of some well, kind? I, 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 I have did to have go why? offshore? I don't know. Why are you I don't worried know about Frank Stronach? Shouldn't you be worried about the poor people? I mean, this is my whole point. You know, you, we, whenever you get into talks about poverty and solving poverty, the next thing you know, the poverty act activists are talking about rich people. But are you saying, though, that it should be a, an unregulated economy with respect to economic issues? Yes, that is that yes. If you're Separation so of smart economy that you can take all the money that's in the system from everybody, that that's okay. Nobody, is that okay with Nobody you? can take money from anyone. That's what government's there to prevent. You earn your money. Well, I know you said government shouldn't be preventing anything. But, Jeff, that doesn't happen. Oh. I mean, if we, if we go back prior to the start of this century and we look at the laissez-faire capitalism of the last half of the last century... Which was liberal economics in those days. Well, yes, it was, yeah. But we had we had a we had a situation there where people had the opportunity to amass all the world wealth in the world with yeah. very few restrictions and it didn't happen. We oh, had we did. We had robber barons in the United States. We we did indeed, but we also had a, a huge the growth of the middle class, unprecedented growth of the middle class in Western society. We had a, we had a, 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 almost innumerable people who took some of that wealth for themselves, who who created a standard of living that had never before been seen on the planet. So yeah, some people got very wealthy, wow. but that was that was about as unrestricted as we're ever likely to see. And we did not find that kind of concentration of wealth that you that you keep bringing up. But we did. We the had best. monopolies. We had the the trust busters that came in in the early uh, part of the century in the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, yes, gang, yeah. who came in and said, you've got too much power. You've got a stranglehold on our country but through I, the railroads, through steel. And the railroads were, were a government monopoly. They were the first monopoly. There is no such thing as a monopoly that does not have a government legislation to back well, they it up. They weren't owned by the government. Sorry? Not in the United States. They weren't owned by the government. Yeah, but they were regulated and monopolized and controlled by the government, much in the way a lot of our, our utilities are. Well, which is not which is not a proper way to have anything run, by the way. Well, uh, let's, let's go back to the phones, gentlemen. This is left, right, and center on Talk of the Town with Robert Metz on the right, Jeff Schlemmer on the left, and let's find out where caller Gord is. Good morning, Gord. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. Okay, I think you should change your name of your show, though, to left, right, right there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, Mr. Metz, uh, you say that... Uh, there's unlimited wealth in the world. Well, if that's the case, what do you got against giving some to the poor? And uh, I don't have anything against uh, giving it to the poor. What I have what, a problem with mother, is... What Mother Teresa did, you'd be against that. No, I wouldn't. Why would I? Who, who well, did Mother Teresa... Why, why help the who, poor? Well, who did Mother Teresa force to help her? You know, a lot of people look at Mother Teresa and look at a person who, who makes that kind of a sacrifice and they, and they draw virtue from it. And, and personally, I don't think she was making a sacrifice. I think she was doing what she wanted to do. She was doing her job, just as people were discussing earlier in the program, just as Lady Di was doing her job. And, you know, this is a vow that I understand that, that nuns take. I'm surprised that every nun in the Roman Catholic Church around the world isn't doing the same thing. Is, is she an exception to the rule? I but, don't know. You know we, we've advanced from the feudal system, and we come to a caring society. And like you said, there's unlimited wealth. If that's the case, what do you have against the welfare state? Because, because how a person obtains wealth matters. Would you like the idea of somebody coming up to you and taking your money from you without your consent? Well, it's, it is with my consent. That's the Sorry? thing. The welfare state is with him. Well, my if consent. it's with your consent, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And I'd be all for voluntary welfare state taxes. If you want to pay your welfare taxes and you want to do it voluntarily, uh, go ahead and do so. And I'll just have to ask you a question. Why do you think it isn't voluntary? We haven't voted for the Freedom because Party. Because there's a lot of greed in the world. That's why. Well, 
that's true, and and therefore we should not have a social system that's based on greed. And I would say that socialism is is the greed system. Look, what's it, what is greed? I think greed is wanting to live at somebody else's expense, not wanting to keep your own money that you've earned to live at your own expense and not be a burden on someone else. I think the idea that we've turned this, this word around is is a moral aberration. Well, there's exploitation too. Well, there's, exploitation there's what you again. Call, uh, um, give me an example. On, on level. Well, the feudal system is wonderful, well, man. We, we have it all over, over the world. I mean, if people... I'm not here to defend the feudal system. But it the ended, you know, like like there's not greed like amongst the business like the class. That's an astonishing remark. And, it, and it's good to say it because it does provoke comment. Too. But Everybody if you seriously money. suggest that the fellow who takes home $4 million is not doing it because he's greedy, and that he has some kind of a higher moral plane than the rest of us, that's an astonishing remark. I, I've, well, I'll tell you but something. But I also I find astonishing that you don't think Mother Teresa did was a good thing. Oh, he did not. He did not say that at all. He said she was just doing her job, and all men should do the same thing. No, but he did not say she wasn't that that wasn't that not a good thing? All right. Well, perhaps so. I guess. What, and when you said that, I was interested in finding out what you think about whether, for instance, business people, wealthy people, should they contribute to their society? Should they? They do. They pay the highest uh, rate. Of your pardon. If I could just finish for a moment. Should they? do charity work? Should they try and help people who are poor, they who do. are hungry? Should they try and help children to become educated? No, I understand they, they do. do, but I'm Hello? asking, should they? Yeah, well, go ahead, Gord. Okay, I just want, you know, see Mr. Matt seems to think that the golden rule, he has to go makes the rules, and I've got nothing against profits. What I have against right now, it seems to, almost like a, a, a Nazi mentality. Let's blame well, that's it. That's it. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I will not put up with that kind of crap on this radio program. If you have a position of something political or economic and you want to make it, then you go ahead and make it and you back it up. You don't start using words like Nazi on this show. I will not allow that. We're going to pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Very often, and I do not like to ever do, I cut a caller off. But I will do that if people try to use this program uh, as a platform for ill-considered and ill-informed uh, um, um, diatribes. That's not what it's for. You start throwing words like Nazi around with rel relevance to the kind of discussion we're having today, totally inappropriate and just betrays the, lackers, uh, the uh, caller's lack of knowledge. So I won't let that happen. Anybody who phones and tries to take the show in that direction is not going to get a hearing on this program. Other than that, you're free to say anything you want, and in fact, we welcome your calls and comments. We're going back to the phones with caller Ruth. Good morning, Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Hello, how Hello. are you? Fine. Um, Thanks for taking me. I uh, wondered if the gentleman would be kind enough to comment on the concept of natural justice in determining wages that Judy Darcy puts forth. Um, what she, I, I believe what the concept is is that she's looking at the equivalence across the board of uh, the product that people are contributing into the mix and saying that uh, unions would be able to argue that the equivalent should be paid in all uh, situations. And uh, um, this doesn't seem realistic to me because I think the marketplace really needs to determine what the value is of the product being produced. And also, would they uh, um, contrast what happened in Hong Kong, where, no, where hardly anybody was out of a job, um, very few or, um, or no taxes, as far as I know, and uh, that was the most vibrant and thriving economy where if uh, one didn't have a job, one just went straight out and got another job, and uh, value was created. All right, we'll try to get some answers for you. Thank you for your call. Thank you. Jeff, are you familiar with uh, Ms. Darcy's uh, work in this area? No, <laughs> in a nutshell. Bob, are you? I 
from what Ruth described, I could already tell you I'm opposed to the concept. I don't know why they call it natural justice. There's nothing just about it if you're just distributing wages on some formula. The only justice is the agreement the two people come to in their contract. If if, if a guy agrees to pay a ten bucks an hour and he doesn't, you can go to the government and have justice served. Uh, let me let me ask you a question though. Um, if we let's take a make-believe scenario here, um, there is uh, there are jobs going in a community, and there are unemployed people in that community, and uh, the person who who has the jobs on offer makes an arbitrary decision that well, I'm only going to pay five dollars an hour. Uh, I could afford to pay ten, but I'm only going to pay five. Now your contention is that the people, the potential employees, have the option of saying I will not work for you. What happens in a situation where that job means the difference between? starvation and survival do they still is it still a free exchange then is there not a certain amount of economic coercion operating against the potential employee well you could argue that for anybody who everyone has to work for a living nature does not coerce us coercion is a human to human factor it's not a factor that mother nature does mother nature does not coerce us to survive we can sit down and die if we want to that's a choice we have to make living is a choice just like dying and uh... I, I have to contest this idea that, that employers can just arbitrarily raise or lower their wages. If people are willing to take wages at $5 an hour, then by all means they should have the freedom to do so. I cannot see pa passing a law to prevent a guy from, from starving and then instead pass another law to force another guy who's making just a little bit more than him to split his wages with him. That, that doesn't solve the initial problem. But are you serious that, uh, that no corporation, no, uh, no businessman has the power to uh, control wages? Well, within within their ability to to negotiate, yeah, that's about as far as their power well, I, goes. I understand in a theoretical sense. They can't sense force anybody saying, to but, work. You know, we've had examples throughout history where uh, where people have imposed fixed prices. We've seen OPEC, for instance, in relation to oil prices. Well, that was the nature, a free market. Uh, well, and, and, and it didn't work. The issues, I guess, is a question of sort of how free uh, you want to go and sort of what will it look like. The people who who well, fix how, the prices how, how, how in those cases. And, if we didn't have if we had an unregulated market, I guess the question is: if we had an unregulated market, what would the people who are fixing OPEC's prices be doing instead? And would it be, make for a better world for you and for me? Well, I, I don't think so. Here, I don't trust those here guys. Here you are talking about fixing prices. That is regulating the market, as though they were two different things. Because that, they have the power to do it. Well, but what what happened to the OPEC monopoly? What happened? to that. Why did it fall apart? Because people would not pay the prices that OPEC charged for the oil. Look, well, it and still seems to linger on. Look at the gas prices right now. They started going back to oil fields that they had abandoned in the United States. But we have all these up. controlled, uh, you know, and, and, and that's the, one of the ironies, I guess, is you talk about how things become regulated. Well, they don't just become regulated by government. They also become regulated by powerful people who can control industries, can control I don't deny uh, that. So I don't on. deny that powerful business people have the same interest in trying to persuade their government to do policies in their favor as do poverty activists. But not even policies in terms of the product that they sell, in terms of, of gas, for instance. Look what we're seeing with gas prices. Well, it's the same thing. They, can, they, they get together and they can control these things and they want to do it. They don't do it because they're forced to by government. So the question is, it seems to me you're saying that you would trust those people with your life. I don't trust them at all. And that's why society. I don't want to have a regulated society. I don't... But if it's unregulated, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> but if it's regulated, the people you don't trust will be doing all the regulating, and that's the way it's always been and the way it always will be. <laughs> so the, question that's the, the left that's and the, the right seems to come down to who do you trust? <laughs> I trust I trust every free individual, and the more of them that are free from each other to make independent choices, the, the better off we all are. 
But if we're all forced to make single choices, then we got to trust the one guy that's making all those choices for us, and that's a system I don't trust. We're going back to the telephones with caller Jane. Good morning, Jane. Hi. Welcome to Left, Right, and Center. Yes. I think it was you that made the comment at some point that um, you didn't like uh, paying part of your, having some of your money taken away, uh, you know, in taxation to support the welfare system and that that wasn't your choice. Well, I think that was Mr. Metz who said that. That was probably me. Oh, okay, Mr. Metz, I would like to point out to you, and I'm sure when you hear me you're going to realize this, this is your choice. Unless you have a criminal record that prevents you from crossing the border, you choose to live in Canada and work in Canada. And this is the price you pay for your freedom. And, you know, appreciate that. Well, I, I, I think the price that we have to pay for our freedom is getting involved in the political system and doing what we can to preserve that freedom. I find it interesting that I'm the one here speaking in favor of freedom, which you say you would like to see preserved, and yet you seem to be criticizing me. I don't understand why. Because of your resentment to to um, paying taxes. That's I have no. Why. I have. I have a resentment not to uh, paying taxes per se. If the taxes are for a service pr- provided, uh, you know, if if I as an individual recognize that the paying of these taxes and redistributing of money to poor people is doing everyone harm, what kind of person would I be? to go against my conscience and say, no, I think we should keep doing it. Let's spend more money on the poor. Let's spend more resources on this never-ending, never never quenched thirst. I mean, that's the way it is. When you start giving money p- to people for nothing, that's not a healthy thing to do, especially not, not that we as ever a have, system. Or certainly not that we do now. I'm not aware of anybody who gets money for nothing. If you're on welfare, certainly you have to do a job search. There are all kinds of hoops you have to jump through. Well, well, it's y- not so much money for nothing. It is there are eligibility requirements, and those eligi- eligibility requirements. Yeah, but what about to, el- rece- to receive social assistance from any level, whether it's disability or unemployment insurance or whatever it is? That's fine. We have a social safety net in this country that guarantees that people are going to be able to survive without having to turn to the underworld in order to survive well you know, by whatever by whatever means the problem is we have a social safety net in this country that everybody's inside nobody's holding it up uh, you and, know I have a lot well, I have a lot of problems with the social safety net in this country and I agree with a lot of what you say I think that there is a lot of disincentive to join the workforce once someone is trapped in the social assistance thing but to have a job and resent the fact that part of your money is being taken away from you and say you don't have a choice and that is my point you have a choice if you really hate this then leave the country and go to another country where there is no social safety net but he has another choice and we all have another choice and that is if you don't like the system where you are for whatever reason one of the freedoms we do have is the freedom to work to change that system that's right that's right but don't say that you don't have a choice don't get bitter and resentful and say i hate paying taxes because i don't have any choice in the way they're being spent you have all kinds of choices well uh, and that, 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 listen, that is listen, the price listen. that you pay for your freedom to have that choice. And I, and I have no choice about it, so I'm paying my taxes, but that's not the issue. The issue is, is should we go on with this system? We're trying to address a fundamental problem that's not being solved by this system. 
And to that say that, to say that if, it means change the system. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm suggesting, and I'm saying that, like you know, you're talking about all the qualifications that a re welfare recipient must have. Well, what about the person who's paying for welfare? What what qualifications does he have to have? What kind of uh, choice does he have? Does he have in the matter? I mean, I find it rather undignified for for masses of people just to think that they can vote money out of the pocket of the other guy. But they do seem to vote that way. They're voting for a system that does have welfare right now. They don't choose to vote for a system that wouldn't uh, wouldn't provide for people would would see them starving. Well, I think listen, the people popularly right now don't want that. Anybody who really cares about the poor, the first policy they want to see go is universality. Well, and obviously we disagree about that. And I would well, suggest that I care about the poor. Well, but well, exactly. Continue. But that's why I'm suggesting you don't really. I think you really care about <laughs> you having the benefit in case you're in trouble, and what you see is this is not helping the poor, but as, in, as insurance. Which, I don't think which, so. I think way, that I come from a, a Christian background, and, and I was raised with this idea of the golden rule, and should treat well, other people the way you'd like to be treated, and so on. So I don't think I'm doing it for self The golden reasons, rule says, thou on. shalt not steal. It says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, and yet we have a whole social system. Here we are supposedly a Judeo-Christian country with a Judeo-Christian background, and we have a system in place that covets other people's goods, uh, takes their wealth, and takes it from them without their consent. Well, that's it's like, you know, thou shalt, that's, that's not, thou shalt not steal unless a democratic majority approves. But I understand approves. that you, you seem to be saying that it would be better for people to be more independent and self-reliant, and that you would assist them to do that. <laughs> Uh, and I guess it's a question of how far do you take that? Do you see people starve? Like, where, I, I don't see line? anybody starving. And I don't of course not right now, but uh, in the system that you envisage. Well, in the system you envisage, I see a lot of people starving. That's what happened in the Soviet Union. Okay. That's what well, happened I'm not aware in of it around here, the system that because I participate in. But can you tell me about your, your vision, though? Would you, how far would you take it? Would you pay some welfare to some people, or would you just cut it out altogether? That would be my choice. If I had no money, I wouldn't. If I had lots of money, I would. But the issue is, whose choice is it? That's the only issue. There's no other issue here. Mary can't choose for Jane. Jane can't choose for Bill. Bill can't choose for Harry. They can all choose for themselves. Thank you for your call today, Jane. Appreciate you joining us. 643-1290 is the telephone number. Star 1290 on the can This is Left, Right, and Center with Robert Metz, Jeff Schlemmer, and Jim Chapman, and we'll be right back after this. It is indeed, and this is a brand new feature called Left, Right, and Center. Robert Metz is on the right, Jeff Schlemmer on the left, and I'm in the center, although one of our callers thought it should be called right, left, and right. But Let's see what Nicole thinks. Hi, Nicole. Nicole? Yes. Hi, go ahead. Hi. I just uh, I had a, a question regarding uh, wages and what people will take when they're working and, and what should be offered them. And I, I had a friend who, um, who said to me, she was a nurse, and she lost her job because of all the cutbacks and so on. And she wanted to be one of these uh, uh, people now that they're bringing into the hospitals to do the, the jobs that there aren't enough to, nurses to do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, low qualifications, as far as I know, that mm -hmm. uh, yep. that they need to get in. Yep. Well, she, you know, applied for the job, and she was overqualified. Now, what would be the ramifications, do you think, if she was just given the job? She was willing to take the cut and pay, but they wouldn't allow her the job, and so she's on social assistance mm -hmm. <laughs> because she can't get a job that pays her less than what she was in nursing. So... In a general term, what would be the ramifications about taking a nurse who's willing to take the cut and pay and doing these duties that the, the nurses themselves can't do? Well, would either one of you gentlemen support a situation where you would say that she can't have the job? No. No, but I understand why they didn't hire her. Why not? Well, that uh, the conventional wisdom is that if you hire someone who's overqualified, they'll be unhappy in the job. They'll be bored stiff. <laughs> see, now, see the, that, that to me seems 
very wrong. No, I, 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 the I, woman's on social assistance with two children, and, and then that comes to social assistance. And another problem with, with the system, which I'm sure you've heard before, is she... She wants to go to school. She wants to better herself. She's trying to run a business on the side while collecting uh, social assistance. But they won't allow her um, child care so she can go to school. Mm -hmm. You see, they give, her, they give her a grant, but then they don't allow her child care. Well, this but they probably had 30 or 40 people apply for that job, so that's probably why she didn't get it. Well, it but, Jeff, I'm curious about what you, what you said, that you understand why they didn't give her the job. H how was that? in pursuit of the kind of freedom you were talking about before. Well, I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying I understand that's the rationale. <laughs> you see, I would have said the rationale was because they could get somebody cheaper, and what the government's trying to do is save, save money. Now, to me, I would think your friend being qualified as a nurse, the ideal situation would be if she could go into business for herself. Well, true, true, but that's and that's not, what that's... she's trying to do with, with uh, bettering her education. And, but I meant as a nurse. I mean, I can see this happening amongst many teachers who are going to find themselves unemployed, uh, but we still have a government monopoly school system. Where are they going to go? It would be wonderful if they could all open up private schools and offer the best of their services and people could choose, and then everyone would be employed. But that's not what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly why I don't support government running anything, because as well-meaning as the people who are, who, who, who wish to have these forced government welfare system, the process itself is corrupt. And you cannot expect a virtuous result from a corrupt system. And it's not to say the people who support it are corrupt, because most of them just don't understand how it works and how, for every, for example, job that a government creates, it probably takes away three jobs that you don't see, but, but they are reflected in the unemployment statistics. Nicole, I appreciate your call. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> uh, well, Bob, if we can kind of come back and, and sum up in a sense here. Mm -hmm. Under the system you would like to see, what would happen to that individual in our society who was unable, for whatever reason, whether it's their fault or not, to get a job, and who literally is facing starvation? They have no money, they have no resources. What would your system offer that individual? Well, it's, it, it, it would offer him the freedom to, to, to take action himself. And I'm not talking about people who are literally unable or physically unable or, mm -hmm. or handicapped or anything like that. I think if we ended universality, if government was, was viewed as the last resource of welfare rather than the first, and we relied heavier on private charities... But what would that last, resort, that last resort be? What would happen in well, your ideal society to that individual who on today, Wednesday, has no money, no food, and no immediate prospects? What happens well, to him under your model? Well, as, a, as an instrument of last resort, I wouldn't have a problem with excess government funds being spent on that. But, but you cannot institute that as a system. That's not, poverty is not an emergency situation. It is an environment or a condition that, that, is, that is ongoing. I mean, I've been rock bottom where I've got no money. I don't even know what, when, where my next dollar's coming from. And I've never thought of going to welfare or seeking assistance in that sense. And I don't consider myself as poverty, although I'd be way below the poverty line by any of, the, any of these definitions. So, you know, and it bothers me that people think that I'm speaking from some kind of a privileged point of view when I'm one of the little guys trying to get up the ladder. And Jeff, uh, all these people helping me aren't helping. Question <laughs> for you, Jeff, reference to the number of the comments you made about to people making a lot of money in their jobs and so on. If tomorrow your employer was to inform you that they were going to quadruple your salary, would you turn it down? Would I turn it down? Uh, well, I would because I know where it would be coming from. No, 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 would, no but, seriously. But if though. you said in a perfect world it wasn't going to affect anybody else. And it, well, no, no, because it, it does affect other people. But they say to you, Jeff, here's your option. Next week you can start making five times as much as you're making now. 
You're t are you going to say yes or no to that? In my job, in my system, I'd say no. You would say no. Don't, you don't wouldn't take it. the money. Don't need it. No. Okay. Uh, we have about uh, 30 seconds left for each one of you for a final summation. Robert? Well, I, I guess once again, I uh, w defining poverty is the whole issue. I think the issue is that whatever we want to do about poverty, we can't use a forced wealth redistribution system to address it. It does not work. It hasn't worked. It can't work. And it's, and it's downright immoral. Jeff? What we've got to do is there's two kinds of poor people right now. There's the long-term poor and the short-term poor who have resulted from the recession and the jobless recovery. We've got to get them back to work, and the economy is not creating jobs. It's only creating wealth. We've got to start to share our jobs around and share that wealth so we have uh, everybody who can be working, working. That's the solution. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. It's been a great Thank pleasure. You. Folks, I hope Thanks. you've enjoyed it. Uh, Jeff and Robert will be back with us next Wednesday at 11 o'clock for the next edition of Left, Right, and Center. If there are topics you'd like us to discuss, if there are things you'd like to hear, there are two different perspectives on. We welcome your, uh, your calls and comments here at the station. Drop us a line and let us know. In the meantime, for Ryan and Don and Bob and Jeff, this is Jim Chapman saying take care of each other, mind how you go, and we look forward to having you join us again tomorrow for the next edition of Talk of the Town.